This is Abnormal Entertainment. Ladies and gentlemen of the internet. This is Steve's house. Mr. Stevie Wonder. Mr. Stevie Wonder. Mr. Stevie Wonder. It's the year of living Stevie. Mr. Stevie Wonder. Mr. Stevie Wonder. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Year of Living Stevie. I'm your host, Daryl Bean, here for episode number three. Uh, today we're going to feature a great band from Detroit called Leaving Lifted. They're a reggae band, uh, and they dabble in ska and other forms as well. And uh, there's a this is a really great interview. It's a little on the longer side. And uh, if you're listening to this at work or somewhere like that, the uh, the language gets a, a little salty, shall we say. Um, it's still good stuff, but um, but the, the language gets a little salty. So just a little heads up on that um, to make sure that you're listening to it in any appropriate environment for that that's going on. Um, hey, summer weather's here. It's kind of awesome. It's been really, really beautiful this weekend. Um, I was out uh, beating up on my pool We'll probably hear some more stories about the pool as the summer goes on. Um, it was quite the ordeal last year. I have a above ground pool that came with a house that I live in and all my attempts to try and turn it into an actual functional swimming pool last year were all kind of, uh, for not. It was, it was a disaster. The thing was pretty much just a swamp all year long. And, uh, very recently, uh, I had a winter cover on it. And when the snow melted and it rained, it pulled up water and a couple of ducks actually moved in and took over on my pool. So I couldn't open it when I wanted to open it. And once the ducks left, then I could take the cover off. When I took the cover off, there were tadpoles swimming in my pool. I think the tadpoles swam in my pool more than anybody did because I don't think anybody got to swim in my pool last summer. So I was a little, little disappointed in that. But it was gross, disgusting. And I had to get in there and clean it out, um, drain all the water out. And I was in there today. Um, shoveling out buckets of leaves and all—it was—it was a disaster. I'm—I gotta tell you, I'm a little over the pool thing already, and it isn't even open. But uh, I worked on that. Had a nice cookout with some friends. Went to a beautiful wedding. It's just a great weekend. I hope that uh, that you guys were able to enjoy the weather as much as I did. So a couple of new things that we got going on on the podcast. First of all, um, there are some stickers. Uh, if you follow us on Facebook, you probably saw a picture of them. Uh, they're stickers that say Stevie is the truth in a uh, cool 70s font um, in red and white. And they're pretty awesome. Um, and there's details on the Facebook page about how you can order them. They're $2 if you buy them from me directly uh, or $3 if you want to buy them and have me mail one to you. Um, and there's a button on the Facebook page, or if you want one, you can email me at livingstevie at gmail.com. They're pretty sweet. Um, and to that end, I actually have a little thing I wanted to do. I wanted to get some more Stevie content into the podcast because, you know, we get these great interviews going and we talk a lot to the artists about their you know, what they do as musicians and, you know, all that sort of thing. 
Um, but I wanted to try and kind of fit in a little bit more Stevie content. So I've got some ideas of how to do that. The first thing I'd like to try out on you is a trivia contest, a good old fashioned trivia contest. Uh, the prize for which is one of the Stevie is the truth stickers mailed to you at no charge or given to you or whatever the case might be. Um, you can respond either on our Facebook page. You can uh, respond by sending a message through the Facebook page. Uh, you can also respond via email at livingstevie at gmail.com um, or on the Twitter page. If you go to livingstevie at Twitter, um, you'll find our Twitter page there, which hasn't, hasn't had a whole lot going on. Actually, I've posted stuff and I don't think we've got anybody following us on Twitter, but follow us on Twitter and then you can send a message there. And through the magic of timestamping, I can take a look at the responses and see who answered first. Actually, um, there's going to be three winners for the trivia contest. So the first three correct responses that I get through any of those variety of different places to send them to, then uh, then you win a Stevie is the Truth sticker. And the trivia question is this. A famous English guitarist helped Stevie Wonder come up with the drum part from one of his most famous songs. If you can name the guitarist and the song, then you are a winner. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Let me say that again. A famous English guitarist helped Stevie Wonder come up with the drum part for one of his most famous songs. So uh, if you get the answer for that, you can respond on Facebook, Twitter, or email at livingstevie uh, at gmail.com and give us the answer. So it'll be a lot of fun. Let's see what happens. Woo! Our guests on the show today are bringing back reggae Detroit style, and they have a show on June 14th opening for The Wailers. Uh, if you know anything about reggae, you know that's like being a pop band and opening for the Beatles. It's June 14th at St. Andrew's Hall. Without any further ado, here's my conversation with Leaving Lifted. All right, well, let's do this, I guess. So Leaving Lifted here uh, with us on the podcast. Thanks yo, for uh, joining us here, guys. What up, man? What's happening? So uh, the first mistake that I made when I did the uh, podcast with the Social Bandits is I never introduced the members of the band. So whoever listens to that first podcast will have no friggin' idea who's talking at any given point in time. So we're going to fix that today. They're going to have to look into it for themselves? That's I know. What? I just kind of people If you could take a second and maybe introduce yourselves. Uh, so let's start over here. I'm Marty Gagno. I play <clears throat> bass and sing. Sean Catanese. I play drums. Michael Chambers, uh, a.k.a. Tony. Um, <laughs> Jim. No, that was my Doors reference. Jim anyway, Sox. Uh, <laughs> uh, Stephen Foster, lyrics and vocals. All right, very cool. So uh, tell us a little bit about the band. I mean, like one of, one of the things that I was really excited to have you guys on the podcast because we're trying to, you know, kind of mix it up with different styles of music. And you've become quite the juggernaut of reggae and ska in the Detroit music community. So uh, so tell us a little bit about, about, like, when the band started, how it started, how do you know each other? I'm going to let you guys talk about that, but definitely uh, Detroit reggae is the tagline for this band, for sure. Yeah, for sure. It kind of worked itself into that. And me and Marty just started doing it, like, we met in, like, humanities class, like, I, I don't know, forever ago. Freshman year of college. Yeah, and um, so we... Uh, we we were I was like dude I really wanted to play reggae I couldn't find anyone that knew even what to do, what to do and like I didn't really know what to do I was just kind of like yeah I was really into like 
uh, like I got into like the Jamaican stuff. So I was like, okay, who who knows this stuff? Am I allowed to swear? Yeah, totally. Like, who knows this? You're just shit? talking so about like, porn and shit. So it's like, it was kind of like, all right, you know, I I wasn't that great at it at the time, but like I was like, that's the direction I'm trying to take. Um, so I found Marty. We played together just bass and drums for literally like a whole year, and then we came across him who already knew reggae. So Tony. we kind of uh, loose, yeah, Tony. Sorry, uh, and we loosely started uh, getting better and better and uh, discovering more of like what we sounded like. And then insert Steve about five years later, and um, now I think we got a, a real grasp on what's going on and everything Steve's added, and I think it's good because it's like, it is reggae, it's what we've always wanted to do, but it's also got, um, Steve added that, that extra flavor where something you can tell you comes from Detroit or something that um, isn't necessarily been heard before or whatever, so that's... That's the, the very uh, nutshell version, I guess. Awesome. So yeah. to kind of back up just a little bit, you were saying that you guys played together as a bass and drum group. And that was it. Um, did you like? Did you gig doing that? No, like, no we, we did once. Kind of Actually, shit, we did. We, we, we did hired a, a couple times. Yeah. yeah, we had like hired guitar players. Gotcha. A lot of instrumental, just jamming. Gotcha. Like the kind of thing, like we were in a bar and you hear that band, you're like, oh, these guys are new, you know? Yeah. That's so <laughs> definitely us. But yeah. Like they'll all plugged into one amp kind of thing or whatever, you know? <laughs> like we got our first set we ever played, we got done and um, we we're expecting like this applause and the sound guy goes, you guys got 15 more minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> That's funny because like my first band when I was in high school... We, I remember we like, we thought that the amount of time that it took us to practice things equated to the right. amount of time that we was on stage. So, you know, it took us a couple hours to get through Learned the songs. That the and then we, sure. got, we, had a, we had a gig playing at a, a spaghetti festival. Oh, that sounds amazing. Like, amazing. Like, <laughs> pretty sweet. Where's it at? <laughs> we got paid in spaghetti. Really, literally. Hey. Like, we could eat all the spaghetti. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I've been but, taking home Ziploc bags and everything. Seriously, <laughs> like, just load me up. But, um, but we got there, and we started playing, and we, we got through all our songs, and like, 10 minutes and we had to pay, play for two hours oh my so god had, oh, yeah. so we played songs like five and six times was <laughs> that was like your uh, raw hide <laughs> yeah basically like let's do the wreck of the old 97 again <laughs> whatever so uh yeah i think we played taking care of business like 40 times that's the people only, that don't, don't even know yeah. Yeah. you gotta double dip sometimes to- oh, or, yeah. or, or triple dip or, or you look at the crowd <laughs> and you're like who was here the first set Sex that's not here now yeah. funny story about uh Marty and Sean, uh, one of their first shows before Steve and I joined the band, uh, I was invited by a couple old bandmates to come check yeah. out their students. And uh, mm-hmm. my yeah. drummer actually taught Sean. Mm-hmm. And uh, when uh, my old guitarist was a student teacher up at Romeo, actually taught Marty. So he's like, oh yeah, let's come check out these this band. You know, they're doing a reggae thing. You know, come check them out. And lo and behold, it's Steve's cousin is also Marty. And so before we were in... A band, we were already hanging out. Even oh, crazier, yeah. he came to that show too. Steve <laughs> and then showed up early on. A band that I was playing with called B Dab was playing with the Chasers. The Tony's we way band. back. Yeah. There's yeah. always like less than six degrees of separation. Yeah, it's crazy. It's yeah. yeah, it was. Yeah, it was like almost meant to be in a way. That's interesting. So what? Like, um, I'm trying to kind of figure out how old everybody is. So I'm guessing you guys are like in your 20s? Yeah, 25. 25. 25. Tony? 34. 34. 36. Yeah, I was about to say, I think we're, because I'm going to be 43 in a couple weeks. Um, So I thought we were pretty close. you look good, Bubba. Well, thank you. I appreciate (laughs) it. So so really interesting. So it's almost like you got, not really 
you know, different, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Different generations. Oh, they're old yeah. as hell. But then, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have to carry amps. You get the walkers in here. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's more me. With my I think it's bag. called experience. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, Tony, uh, tell us a little bit about your background and, like, where'd you come from as a musician? Well, like I said, um, before I was leaving Lifted, I was with the Chasers. I thought you were going to say the Philippines for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that is where it started. Yeah, I was born in the Philippines, born on an American base. Dual citizenship. Citizen bro. abroad. Yeah. Um, no, but uh, before leaving Lifted, I was with the Chasers for a good six years. That was an awesome band, too. Well, was, and I'm new to Michigan. Well, not new. I've been living in Michigan for about 20 years. But as far as the scene, like I don't know some of the bands that have been around for a while. So tell me about the Chasers. What, what kind of band is that? It was a five-piece, uh, two guitarists, bass, um, drums, and a uh, female vocalist. And uh, we did shows throughout the metro area. Uh, numerous shows with B-Deb. Uh, one of our, well, one of my most favorite shows was at uh, the Emerald Theater doing... Um, the Pimps and Hoes show, hosted by Ron Jeremy. Pimps and Hoes show, hosted by Ron Jeremy. <laughs> and downtown Brown played it too, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, no shit. Uh, we just played with them. Up. Fantastic. What, what style of music was the Chasers? It was a reggae rock, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like a No Doubt type feel. Okay. But we dabbled in a little bit of everything. Very cool. Very cool. And then, Steve, you and I know each other quite a bit. Like, we played together in Shotgun Soul. Um, and other little excursions. Other excursions. You have like you've got more bands than I don't know. I've had haircuts, I think, or something. I'm, I'm <laughs> He's the Heinz Fifty Seven flavor band. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's funny. Me and Sean were just talking about this about like um, a certain uh, types of brain damage or frontal lobe incidents in which you just consistently have language and spew and write a lot. And one day, I'm not going to be surprised if that happens because. You got, uh, I have fallen into a habit of writing something or recording something every day, pretty much. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of that is just going to turn into, as you know, just vaulted stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the one thing. Nobody will ever hear it, but it, but it's there. And you can always draw on something should you have to. But when you're just constantly in that mode of, you groom your brain towards production. And that's mm-hmm. what happens. So that's why I can't sleep ever. <laughs> like, my, my brain's like oh now you With want to shut pad. down you yeah. need to do a song about this yeah, like please like, brain <laughs> <laughs> let me rest you're only Stop tired it. when you need to work it's when you but need I, to I'm at uh, yeah. like, um, man I identify with music pretty much right away like uh, my, my mom's well my mom will tell us had told the story about being just about two years old and stumbling around grabbing things in the house trying to mimic Johnny Cash songs that were being played so. oh right on uh, I don't remember that, but I I believe her, and, and uh, from there, kind of, I just always had this identification with a man before I even ever did anything. I was a huge music fan, and it wasn't enough to just be like a fan of music. You want to participate, exactly. You know, even if it's not great, yeah, yeah. you still want to play some role. You know, exactly awesome. how I grew up too. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I grew up with a lot of music in my house too. Yeah. Although I'm probably in my family, I think I'm the only person that's that's any sort of like professional musician in any mm. sort of way like my aunt oh. plays violin and she just kind of like she kind of does it a little bit yeah, and then like i got a, an uncle plays guitar but other than that that's that's it my cousin marty and i come from a huge family my our grandparents had 10 kids mm-hmm. and then all their kids had kids but i was sort of the first one that kind of started yep. following a path and doing things and it was so odd to a lot of them they thought i was slanging drugs 
So <laughs> I'd be getting calls about studios. I'd be getting, and one of my early producers, and he was uh, studio engineers, was Benny. So I'd yeah. be like, hey, Benny, and da da I'd hang up the hang up phone. This actually happened. My mom stand there. She goes, I know Benny is a term for drugs. I go, Benzo. I'm like, Mom, I'm going to a studio in Mount Clemens. You know, it's like, yeah. there was this, something shady was going on. It took a long time to convince them that something musical was happening. Yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, it's like that. There's this Tom Petty documentary, and he was talking about how he would, you know, he was in this band, and they would go out and play, and he'd get paid, and his, he was trying to kind of convince his parents that he wasn't, like, stealing things to make <laughs> sure. money. It's like, no, I'm making it doing music. And they're like, yeah, right, whatever, you're yeah, stealing right. stuff. So. To be fair, I also was dealing drugs, but I was also doing music <laughs> and working in studios. So so, so there's that. So not there always, was you know, that kind of a thing. Um, so being that, it, looks, it seems like you guys have a lot of different... Um, musical activities like you do a lot of different stuff it's living lifted is one of the bands that you play but there's other stuff that you do so what what do you feel like your ambition is for for the band or what do you feel like like the goal is that you're doing you, you world know? domination <laughs> yes right. like metalocalypse no i want to i want to be i want to have people look at detroit as not like uh like reggae can't possibly come from there or something like that. You right. know, like yeah. I wanna know that there's people here that do know what they're doing and like they can take a step in that direction. Also have like I mean obviously it's meeting of the minds. It's not we're not by any means roots reggae or first wave sky or anything I like know, that. But. I know we're gonna get into this, but there's a show coming up of Bob Marley's Whalers. That's going to be a sold out event, more than likely. And we played with a Sublime cover band, which has been making their living doing that forever. That did at sell St. Andrews, yeah. and that was sold out. So you can, and that was on the same night as uh, Red Hot Chili, Chili Peppers show. at the Joe, yeah. And you, so we you, still are good. We're here, and I just so remember thinking, out. I'm like, this is like our people. This, every one of them got us everything mm-hmm. we did. Oh, yeah. 100%. yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's true. I've seen like when Pacifier came through, totally, and a band. Uh, Social Bandits opened for them, and I was playing with them cool. at that, and and just I was shocked, like. Man, how many people are here for the show? It's crazy. Yeah, like where they come from, they come from far and wide. Exactly. Yeah, totally, man. It's it's pretty crazy. They come from far and wide. It's uh, you like for instance, I go to college and I could like go by row by row full of kids and be like, you listen to reggae, and like probably one kid will say yeah, Mm -hmm. but then you go to these reggae concerts and they're sold out eight hundred (laughs) people, and it's like yeah, I mean people come from out of state, from across the state. it's a it's a niche community, but I think it doesn't have to be. You know what I mean? Right, right. And I was just thinking that um, being that being in music now is really competitive in a lot of ways. It's very yeah. saturated. There's a lot of totally. stuff going on. Yeah. That maybe playing reggae and playing it authentically. We'll, we'll get to that in a second. But playing mm. reggae authentically is kind of a way to find a channel. You know, to absolutely. People, yeah, because like I don't feel in competition with anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, like kind of we have our thing. And, like, bands that book us or booking agents that book us or, you know, people understand where we're going and what we do. Mm-hmm. And, like, we're not, like, the 40 millionth rock band to come through this year. Right. So, like, yep. there, there is that. Like, we're not, like, in a competition to sound the most like each other, which I feel like is what it gets down to a lot of the time. I mean, mm-hmm. there's obviously like, great bands in Detroit, but it's helpful having that edge. It's um, It's great when you are able to play with bands out of state that you see kind of... Not so much where you stand, but just, like, uh, what's going on down there? Like, how are we holding up? How would we hold up nationally and stuff like that? Mm -hmm. So that's always super comfortable when you get to know them and, like, 
you're like, okay, see, we seem like we're on the on the right page here because there's not a lot of point of reference. Right. You yeah. Know? You almost yeah. see a regional difference in the genre itself. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, you know, compared to like the southern states, the Carolinas, Florida's. You know. If we go to Florida, there's literally reggae bands there. Like there's like rock bands here. Really? Oh yeah. yeah. I can see that. I mean, mm-hmm. that makes sense. But mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And that's like when a lot of like big reggae artists were like, say like someone who's huge in the reggae scene is going to tape a concert. Mm. They're going to do it in Florida because people are going to show up. They're going to go ape shit. You right. Know? Yeah. So like that, that scene is huge for that. Carolinas are huge for that. New York is huge for that. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's, that's what I'm saying. I just want to like, I want Detroit to be on that map a little bit. I, and cause like even reggae bands coming in tour, they skip Detroit. 80% yeah. of the time, you know? Mm-hmm. But yeah, they'll hit Rapids or anything, or Ann Arbor, you know, they, they yeah. won't swing through Detroit, so huh. we want yeah. to pull that in. Which is understandable from their point of view, but <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to change that. It's like, really, people do come out for the shows, they yeah, do, it right. really happens, so yeah, that's cool. Is there an intent um, in the band to to tour and to travel? Yeah, and we yeah did, we've uh, toured. We've toured? Yeah, okay. we've toured a few times. We've played out-of-state festivals. Um, there's a band, I don't know if you've heard of them, their name is Pilfers. They're big in the '90s and Sky. We met them on tour with Real Big Fish, and then we did their record release in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Kind of, we're able to tour around that and go uh, New York to Florida, kind oh, of sweet. thing. Yeah, and, East Coast and, down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very cool. It's about two tour, weeks. Did you tour with uh, Real Big Fish or play with Real no, Big Fish? No, um, Pilfers did. Okay, gotcha. Pilfers yeah. played with Real Big Fish. We met them on that tour at St. Andrews Hall. Actually. Tossed them a demo, yeah. and they called us back. Oh, awesome! Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's very cool. Do you find that it's it's I don't know if easy is the right word, but that, that people were receptive to that. Like if you go see a band and you're both reggae bands and you're like, hey, check out our, our demo or check out our... Not as much as you like, think. Because yeah. like um, in De- if they were from Detroit, sure, but like they're getting those demos everywhere. Sure. You yeah. know? And like it's hard enough to make it as a band in general. Mm. So like it's not everyone has uh, an ability to extend a helping hand no matter how good they're doing, you know? Right. So like you kind of... And when you actually tour, you understand that too. Like... Where you're like, how come they're not watching the opening bands? It's like, well, dude, they haven't slept in three days. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> so it's just kind of how it goes. But, you know, you understand. You 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 uh you gain that ground as you move on, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So you, you mentioned that you've got a, a show coming up. Uh, what is it? On June 14th. Wednesday. Yes, sir. June 14th. Yeah. With the Whalers. Holy oh, shit, boy. right? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. What, what was that like when you found out about that? Remarkable. Yeah. <laughs> Remarkable, absolutely. Yeah. Did you have that moment of just like, oh my God. That's we're happening. Yeah. yeah. Totally. What? <laughs> yeah, and I felt like in a, in a way yeah. that... Still feels surreal. Yeah. I felt like that Badfish show was sort of like our audition for St. Andrews a little, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah, so, yeah, well. so far with this unit of, of players... Um, we get, we really want to, we rise to an occasion. I don't know. I'd like to see the what possibly the biggest show we could play to see if we still stomp ass every time yeah. we do it. Hell yeah. yeah. That's why it's, it's a good feeling. You're like, yeah. at some point, all the nerves go away. You're like, let's wreck this yeah. shit. Yeah. yeah. That's <laughs> a, a good thing I've noticed, especially since Steve came in, is like, we know how to channel, like, like the other week when we stepped, we thought we had this original set planned out. We stepped in, it's like a fucking lion's club. <laughs> you know and we're like okay we dial it back we're doing all all oldies <laughs> and like yeah. you know we can that's the kind of thing we can start doing and i think it's it's been really healthy for all of us as musicians and yeah like, you know growing a little bit we write better because we're forced to play more mm-hmm. and step outside the box a little bit so yeah that's really when you i think that's when you know like right. when you're in a situation like that lines club situation and you're in a band that's when you know if like 
yeah, we can do this. We gotta right. adapt to adversity. Like, yeah. We can completely change gears. Exactly. And be like, these people are not going to listen to this um, stuff. So we yeah, right. do that. Supposedly, you know? there was not a lot of dancing, but when we got there, all them people got out on the floor and started going nuts. That's yeah. awesome. Oh, really? Because so, yeah. I was, yeah. I was about to say, uh, my experience meter. playing in those kind of clubs is like that. Right. Where, like, they're like, well, they don't dance, but it's okay. They like you. And yeah. These, yeah. People, um. these people don't give a shit about like your art. Artisticness. I don't know if that's a word. Artisticness. They don't give. Mm. They don't care that you spent time writing these songs. They just want to fucking hear something relatable that they can dance yep. to. Yep. And it's like you have to relate to that. You know. Yeah, I will say too, just to follow up on the Whalers thing, we can get back in that mm-hmm. area. They uh, they're, they're aware that we're opening for them. One of their friends. Uh, smoked a blunt with the whalers in Florida and was like telling them, where do you get to Detroit, man? You're opening, Leaving Lifted's opening for you. And then I did a little talking to him online. Hey, I know Leaving Lifted who's opening for you guys. Great. That's awesome. So like how many, how many people from say the Bob Marley era of Bob Marley and the whalers? I know for sure Family Man Barrett Okay. Yep. And, um, oh wow! Yeah. Holy shit, dude! Man. And it's it's like crazy family. They're, they're lineage family too. members. Yeah, the yeah, daughter passed it on to like their kids. Yeah, well, it was, it was Sandman Barrett and the drummer. Where they were brothers. Um, Barrett Junior is now. Oh yeah. Is it, the no girl shit. right now in the band too. She's the daughter of Freddie McGregor and one of the I three. Oh wow! Yeah, so it's like it's stacked, man. Yeah. That's gonna be insane. They are it stacked. Is, yeah. and I, I watched their their Facebook live clips, and then even at soundcheck, it's like, God damn, dude! Like, and, and and also when you watch their videos and anything they post, there's a lot of people that are just mm-hmm. in love. With I that saw them with uh, yeah. 311 a few years ago at Freedom Hill. Yep, and they mm-hmm. fucking crushed it. Dude, I couldn't get off a fucking shift at McDonald's. I was so pissed that day. <laughs> I, I'll never forget it. I'll never fuck, I almost yeah, jumped going, out the window no! and flipped everyone off. This, this was curse like, you, Ronald. <laughs> I saw them. Don's kitchen you got me. McDonald's, but yeah. <laughs> but no, that was um, it was either we we're eleventh or twelfth grade in high school. I remember that shit. I was so pissed. Well, they came yeah. again. Last time 311 was at Freedom Hill, like two, three years ago. They, With them that's again. When I With saw the Whalers. Them. Yeah. Damn, they didn't play. Okay. Nope. Yeah, I thought Ziggy was the last time. Far out. And then um, I'd seen on your uh, Facebook page that you recently were in the studio uh, in in Rust Belt. I don't know, have you done recording or were you just kind of like doing pre-production? Oh, yeah. We uh, we we cut four songs. That's our third time being in Rust Belt. (laughs) Very cool. Yeah, we got four. It's it's going to be eventually a whole album that we went and did for. Oh, awesome. Yeah, um, and you're working with Stephen Hain. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, love him. Is a fucking genius. He's I mean, like animal. He really seriously, like, when I worked with him before, he got probably the best saxophone sound I've ever really? heard on a record that awesome. I've been, like, playing on. I'm like, that's me? Yeah. What? Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's just, he's so much smarter about what's going to come out of those speakers than anyone I've ever met, you yeah. know? Like, um, at the time, if he's like, nope, we're good, we're keeping that take, it's like, all right, man, just take what he has to say. Mm-hmm. And like he's gonna make it work, you know. He's not gonna be lazy either. Another thing I like about Steve is like he'll like turn his phone off mm-hmm. recording. Like doesn't give a shit. Like that's what he's doing at the moment. Yep. And, yeah, he's uh, remarkably focused. I, that's I think it almost helps that he actually lived in the studio. That's how well he knows it. He did. Have to, he did have to live in the studio for a while. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> studio dweller. Yeah. That's fantastic. So, um, do you have like an idea of when when your full length might come out? Hopefully or? by the end of the summer. Cool, that's awesome. Are you going to release any songs before that? Oh yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We're we're not at the, um, we're not at the point where we we are hoarding material. You know, we want to yeah. get it all out there. We put out some teasers. Yeah, yeah, sweet. You're going to tease. And, yeah, and it's good because now we're we're putting out songs that we wrote and did with Steve. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's such a just a, an awesome experience. Fresh going face awesome. Yeah. About yeah. It. It's good, good material. Yeah, yeah it came good. out really good and fucking. Uh, 
Steve, not to blow him too much, <laughs> but uh, like actually added like a whole new level of character that we didn't have. So I'm really excited for this stuff to come out. Yeah, yeah that's fantastic. I can't wait to hear um, the stuff when it comes out. So it's all well, different yeah. too, man. I like it. We got a little funky reggae one coming through that it doesn't cross the line of you know cheesiness because when you mix funk and reggae that can happen easily yeah so you know we got something like that we got a good straightforward reggae song a uh, good uh good scott scott song coming out of that um so each song out of those four are completely different we're gonna keep building but it still has things that tie each other in that's gonna fit into an lp so it's not too different but it's enough to keep fresh new ideas coming out from us that's definitely sure. one thing as a, a reggae a challenge as a reggae band we were talking about is avoiding the corniness yeah some yeah. ideas you just like they're working but it's like you know this is too right. too the corn is too heavy yeah <laughs> general <laughs> corn what's, what's in this genre you could easily pigeonhole yourself and we, we try to diversify yourself right too. yeah, yeah, yeah we scrapped ideas that shit. were good but like we're just like nah it's not us you know yeah, yeah. So actually, that's that's kind of a nice lead-in to a question that I was we were talking about a little bit earlier um, was the idea that that reggae and ska music have a certain cultural cachet, right? Mm-hmm. Like they have they have a certain cultural weight attached yeah, to them. Yeah. And I think I think, and I'm just conjecturing because I've never I've never played in a reggae band personally, mm-hmm. um, but I've known groups that are kind of like world music groups if you will sure i know what you mean and um like it's i i would consider that like an extra challenge like you have to kind of prove yourself to be knowledgeable yeah. and know like <laughs> know the different styles a hundred thousand percent true yeah yeah so yeah. so if you could talk because you would know way more about that than i would so it'd be kind of interesting i, to hear I think just to start like music can be regional it can be cultural but it's always universal mm-hmm. you know no one man owns music whatsoever and for some reason or other be it funk be it blues be it reggae i've always felt it um i was talked about like uh early 2000s i went through a breakup lost his place i had to go stay with a friend lost a job and he had the box set of bob marley and the whalers even all the scratch stuff and i listened to that stuff and the entire year it like pulled me back up into some sort of positive approach mm-hmm. like kept me afloat that's music. That's not appropriating anything. It's right. it was in me. It's in people. Mm-hmm. Even if they deny it, it's just that they're denying it. But um, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's exactly yeah. It's like it, I see. I take my inspiration. What I was mostly what I play is I listen to Jamaican reggae, mm-hmm. um, a lot of the root stuff. And we're not like a roots band by any any degree. But it's like we understand like the lineage, like where it comes from. Mm-hmm. And uh, how important it is to remain loyal to those things, like still having your original sound, but like not be one of those fucking beach reggae bands that just throw some upstrokes on a rock song. It's right? Like, yeah, yeah. It's like, boom, nothing wrong with that. A lot of great bands that do that shit. But that's never what I was interested in. So it's like, um, especially in Detroit, where like everybody's bailing. And if, if there's if there's a reggae band, it's like the fucking hokiest shit. You know? I mean, there's a few yeah. good ones. I don't want to cut. Uh, knock anybody doing it in Detroit no. right now, but right. like it's like, you know, it's common to come across more common to come across somebody who know who's half in. And that's not the way you're a reggae band. You don't you don't just dive in like, oh I'm starting a reggae project this week. It's like it takes fucking time to learn and like mm-hmm. uh and I think any real reggae fan can recognize someone who's I think, uh, li- lyrically, another thing I appreciate about music, but especially with a particular feeling about reggae is just how like happy that it can be, mm-hmm. even when they're talking about the most oppressive shit, right? Mm-hmm. Which is its point. So I'm not afraid to have fun with it lyrically, um, to use my voice to accent certain things. But 
I'll dial this back real quick, like to hip hop. I also was, I lived in Detroit as a kid. Those are the sounds that I heard. That's what I identified mm -hmm. with. And to this day, you know, I don't change my voice when I rap. I don't appropriate um, Ebonics or, 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 you know, yeah, I've never yeah. been called the wigger. What I do mm -hmm. is, you know, like rap, I just happen to rap. Rapping is what you do. Hip hop mm -hmm. is like an emotion, a feeling. We've talked about this. So, right, yeah, yeah. You know, that's the thing that for me separates it from. Uh, somebody trying to like fake up in the game or something like, like that. Like you're wearing like, a costume. Totally, man. right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's why I love any any sort of the hip hop edge that Steve will throw into these songs. And oh yeah, none and, of them are rap songs, but now, it's just it, you. They just have that Detroit flavor, and like in little, Detroit, it's kind of hard to avoid hip hop to any degree. Like it's everywhere. Well, sure, yeah, you know? absolutely. I think so this is why I like good. the term Detroit reggae. Right. Doesn't you know it means a lot. Right, yeah. right, yeah. Like I've you can do it. It's a, not just like what you're doing. You know. I've always had a drawn to music with. Uh, movement to it, uh, funk, reggae, uh, you know, being a product of the 80s, you know, Michael Jackson, Motown, mm -hmm. I mean, I just had such a draw to him, I mean, I, I remember watching Moonwalker, just dance along, to <laughs> yep. Michael Jackson movie, and then, like, you know, it delved in further into the, the Jackson 5, and, you know, that opened up a lot more doors for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, what you love will definitely attract you, I mean, it's, it, it's there's no uh, mystery that things fall into place like blues, hip-hop, reggae, funk, Motown. I mean, everything has a rhythm backbone on it, and it's, mm -hmm. it's the feeling you get out and the passion. And, like, I mean, I started playing bass. <laughs> well, I started playing guitar first, but I joined a, a blues band. So I started playing bass you mm -hmm. know, in a blues band. I've always loved, like, good hip-hop. And uh, reggae, you know, it's, it's, <coughs> I found my love in that. And, like, they're, they're all very close. I mean, there's a lot of ideas shared, too. It's not copyright infringement. I mean, you look at mm -hmm. old reggae, there's so many ideas, so many rhythms that are going you know through many uh different outlets that are just it's ideas shared and expressed and it's, it's the love of it you know yeah. creating yeah. building on top of you know mm -hmm. other ideas of other people that was yeah. another great thing about reggae i mean it's uh, music that has changed with the times it has so many different textures and so many different influences mm -hmm. you know like you know hip-hop you know funk reggae which is jazz yeah, I mean, yep. there's just so many different levels of reggae that you you've actually dive into the genre itself. Dancehall reggae crazy. was uh, there the beginning of hip hop. And yeah, that me started. Yeah. This is what they were doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, shouting out MCs, you know, and DJs yeah. started screaming like the reggae, you know. And even dancehall since then has modernized a little bit, but what, what we stick to is more like that late '70s, early '80s, like where like you hear a hip hop artist, you like hear a line that they spit that you've always heard growing up, but then you start listening to reggae, you're like, Oh, that's really got that. Yeah. I don't yes. know where we're going right now with this, but that's an awesome tie in to talk about Stevie's reggae excursions. <laughs> yeah, actually you know what we'll come back to that <laughs> okay. in a second. Uh, but that's a really cool thing. That's a cool thing to talk about. Um Oh, I had a question for you. <laughs> sure, sure. Let's it's talk. okay though, if you got it if you, if... I'll be two seconds. Okay. That's right. <laughs> um so so what I was going to ask, maybe you, know, maybe you guys can, can come in on it too. Um, Sean had used the term roots, uh, roots band. Um, so what does that mean? Like if you're not, if you're somebody that maybe isn't as familiar with all the different. I'd say uh, probably the crossover between like Scott and to the reggae genre. Um, some of the pioneers of the sound itself. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. Sean is a library. Of he is the library. Of it, <laughs> reggae artist. That's exactly. What we'll, we'll, maybe we'll with. hang. We'll just wait for it and chat about something I mean, else. Um, I guess I don't know. As yeah, I mean, he he's he's definitely the roots master. Like yeah, when we first started hanging out, I showed him uh, some of the more contemporary artists. You know, like uh, 
the super villains and pacifier mm -hmm. and whatnot, and he he really schooled me as far as uh, you know the '60s um, and '70s uh, radio artists. And just like he can go on and on and on and on. Yeah. Right? That's pretty cool. Yeah, no, I was impressed, man. I mean, when we started together, uh, you know, our, our love for reggae was growing, but he, he had all all the background of it, man. He, mm -hmm. he was really interested in the history of it, what sounds came from where, where it started, you know, from first wave to well, two tone. Yeah. You're gonna, you're gonna want was... to ask him about his mother's position in music too, right? Oh, yeah, okay. A lot, a lot of the, <laughs> the hip hop samples that you hear um, on some of the modern day stuff you can root it right back to all these reggae artists that Sean you know was like the back of his dick oh. yeah well like <laughs> the back of his dick. I, I know the one that like stood out to me was um a Biggie and Tupac both do it where they're like um the fuck is a line Biggie's like rub your titties if you love hip hop that's uh -huh. that's a song by Yellow Man where it's just like zoom 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 and like, everybody zoom, took zoom, that shit KRS-1 was using a lot shouts too yeah yeah huh. as we do we cover a lot of krs1 because like he knows his shit yeah. so, what's like, that one that sean paul song mr love i love love, I love, I love i'm still <laughs> in love with you oh that's originally alton ellis but like another chick did that too hip-hop girl huh so yeah we were just chatting a little bit about you you use the phrase a couple times roots band yeah and for me because i you know i know a little bit of reggae but i don't know mm. a lot about the history of reggae and a lot about the background and i know a lot of people listening mm. probably don't know either so if you could maybe break that down a little bit that'd be kind of cool just what the term means yeah like you know what what are some of the different genres what kind of happened was like in jamaica um ska i'll just start right at ska mm -hmm. where that was the big thing they found um a way they could have big band dance music uh, sell um, records and, and compete with sort of like the, the Motown, Motown thing that was going on. Mm -hmm. And um, that kind of transferred into more of like Rocksteady where it slowed down a little bit but still had the same timing and uh, syncopations as Ska. Mm -hmm. And then eventually uh, Rastafarianism sort of took over the Jamaican scene so it went to more of like a roots where they, they started playing reggae where they kind of half-timed it like instead of the ups upbeats they were playing on the downs and shit like that mm -hmm. and then it became more of like religious and powerful and they were um talking about this uh i saw this in a documentary where they're like you can't say something that truly meaningful in a ska dancing way like so we had to slow it down we had to put it in a, a format that's that way right and so right around like the late 60s in the, into the 70s uh roots music was like huge as hell uh-huh. And um and there's different phases. Like you got you can hear the difference of the, the early roots and then going into like uh um throughout the seventies where like the drums uh weren't necessarily just doing one drops with the rim clicks all the time. They're actually throwing in like the snare. Mm -hmm. Uh they start putting four on the floor eventually and it was like um all these different rhythms, like the the reggae one the one drop that you know, uh just like you were just the just the you're just dropping one in on the measure which is why they call it that mm -hmm. and then it turned into put four on the floor and eventually they're just doing straight up snare hits and it's uh so yeah i mean basically like um that's what what roots would be is like uh i don't know i'm trying to think of like a better way to say it it's before like the dance hall came out and uh you know just when when reggae really became a thing sure because like reggae's newer than a lot of people realize I'm uh, yeah, I'm a little surprised more. actually when you're when you're yeah. giving the timeline mm -hmm. like the like we're talking the '60s, right? And it's like that's not that long ago, no, really, not at know? all. And um, 
I'm pretty sure when it started, a lot of people thought it would be a fad, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, the thing and about it, reggae, you know, you know, Jamaica had just become a country, and so they were trying to find their sound in mm-hmm. itself, too. Oh, that's true, yeah. And that's so, true. like, you know, they had the ska that was out, but then it's just like, you know, it be, they just became their own entity. Yeah, they. Um, I also think that's why England has a lot deeper of a reggae culture than we do, because, mm-hmm. like... Um, they were property of England until like the forties or something like that. So I think oh, yeah. a lot of I think a lot of Jamaicans still stay over there and there's still like a lot of the interchangeable influences. Sure. So then you get bands like, you know, the specials and yeah, right. beat and, and exactly. like that. yeah. that's the close relation that's to the, yeah. uh, that that second wave of ska that came out. You sure. know. Definitely. I and uh and now even like um in England, uh you have other bands that are like, damn, these guys are really legit, you know? And I know mm-hmm. it's a little more uh popularized out there a little more normal for like your parents to put reggae on at a barbecue instead of like country like sure, around here yeah. you know then it's kind of like yeah what it is. one of the more recent artists out of england is the skints you guys Love have the checked them out they, they, yeah. they've had they modernized the sound big time and just brought it the genre to a different level I, in, absolutely yeah. i agree mm. fantastic i i guess you know I, i'm as i'm listening it reminds me a lot about of how people listen to jazz. You know, like yeah. there's all these different styles and genres, it's and there's some people like that are that. extremely traditional. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's Purist, like if it's not yeah. you know a, a bebop, you know, quartet, or if it's not a big band. Mm-hmm. I mean, not so much a big band because a lot of the people that would be really traditional about that are passing away. Cause right, they, yeah. that would have been you know the 30s and 40s. But a lot of people um, don't think it's jazz if it's not, you know, like a five piece with a piano and a stand up bass and saxophone and trumpet or something <laughs> mm-hmm. like that. Um, whereas then there's also groups that are more fusion or groups that play bebop but do it with with more modern instruments. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I'm thinking of like Meliana. Right, like, right. You know, Brad Meldow and Mark Juliana doing this thing. I love Mark Juliana. He's yeah, so, they're amazing. Awesome, right? dude. <laughs> well, those guys are about, back to Jazz Fest. Have you seen yeah, the Yeah, you saw it. Yeah. 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 Another thing about reggae is it all depends on your producer. Mm-hmm. And, uh, big time. Yeah. One of the early producers that made uh, a big impact on the, you know, on the map of reggae was Lee Scratch Perry. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, those guys, um, and Dodd first. Yeah, um, and it's weird like almost how like that ragged sound became like signature to it mm-hmm. where like if you were back then if you just recorded regular pop music you'd be like what's this guy doing mm-hmm. and then it kind of uh, took on a culture element of its own and that's another part about the roots is like it was more of its own thing that's why when you hear roots and then there's there's different kinds of that so you have like the deeply religious stuff and the let's smoke a joint stuff and mm-hmm. like all that shit so yeah i mean what was happening in jamaica was so like painfully original at the time that like uh i think the more closely related to that you get is the more more you can say you're a roots band or something like that. Um, it would, what's kind of interesting, I was I was recently listening to an interview with Eric Andre. Oh, nice. And he was <laughs> talking about Jamaica, and he was saying that like people think it's this like relaxed, happy, fun place, and it's really not. It's like, a real country. Su- yeah. Like it's there's a lot the of shit going on. Oh, yeah. Um, That's this, third, third world, you know? Yeah. How's that impacted the music? do you think greatly i think that's the the inspiration for the music mm-hmm. i mean i've been to jamaica myself i went to um the bob marley museum and stuff like that and was able to able to uh, experience that when you're driving through the hills and you're um seeing someone walk to their shack that they built themselves with yeah. a bucket of water on their head down the road you're like okay you're not in america you know mm-hmm. so it's like i think uh, a lot of the real painful poverty, especially back in like like I said the sixties, seventies, and when Bob Marley was coming up, and 
the political wars that were going on and like all like the stuff that was happening, the loose govern governing of it in the white supremacy, which like honestly back then, I mean, it's a primarily black country, but the prime minister and everything was white and the rich. This is, that's again, testament to the power of music. Like you can't stop it. It is almost always been a revolutionary, uh, tactic in some form. Look at like the spirituals and the ways that they used music and the underground railroad. Certain songs were encoded with passages and ways to go towards freedom. Mm-hmm. You know, so, um, uh, yeah, that's, this is what you're talking about. And not to uh, belittle it, but as a reference, back again, Ruta Hip Hop, there were three dudes that had no money for anything, but the power of the music they wanted to do turned them into a group called The Fat Boys. <laughs> and the one guy was doing drums and bass all with his voice. And the other two would just rap over him, and that's how they got discovered, just doing these insane songs with just... And dudes just rapping over that, and it's like, that took zero dollars for them to become what they did. That's that's great, because I I heard that's about reggae, too. The reason it's so rhythm-driven and it's all bass and drums is because when you're playing music out in those ghettos at the time, that's what you're playing. You have drums to work with. And uh, when you're listening from far away, the bass is really what all you can hear. Mm-hmm. So, and like, uh, interestingly enough, somebody told me this once. Old blues guy, uh, jazz piano player from New Orleans, said like, "A man of deception has uneven rhythms and does not like music. He can't fathom like a groove <laughs> or something." You know, huh. that's when you yeah. see people. Where do I see it the most? Politicians, the way they speak. Ah, and and they're jerky rhythms, but yeah. like there's, there's yeah. something off in their flow. flow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, interesting. Sure. That's yeah. an interesting way to look at it. It's it totally is. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Definitely true. Mm-hmm. Um, what was I just thinking? Because there was something that popped in my. Oh, I, I was going to ask if because of that political climate, because it's still like that. Mm-hmm. Do you still have music in Jamaica that's that's like? Because I, I think a lot of people that don't know. I I would put myself in that category mm-hmm. um, that think that it kind of ended with Bob Marley. And yeah, I, you know, it, um, it definitely didn't end with Bob Marley. But here's the thing about Jamaican culture: it's all next, 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 next. That's why like people mm-hmm. are like ska. Well, that was big for ten years. Rocksteady. Well, that had it seven years, and then he had reggae, and that had a while, and then it went dancehall, and it's like the dancehall now is actually like reggae too, a lot of like yeah reggae like a lot of Cuban rhythms and stuff like that. So oh, like, and we messed with that a little bit. Um, just a lot of that boom, boom, pa, boom, boom, pa, stuff mm-hmm. like that. So, like, there's not a lot of roots reggae coming out of Jamaica. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think the top, like, five or ten reggae, roots reggae artists selling right now are from America. Huh. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, yeah, so there's, there's, there's de- definitely that, uh, I wouldn't say disconnect, but, um, like, Jamaicans are, are always about fresh and new and, like, what's coming next. Yeah. So, like, after Marley, it was, like, you know, heavier roots with uh, people hitting those snare drums, not like very like those world rhythms that Mar- that Marley was doing. It kind of turned into like more rock, and then from there it carried into like dance hall. From there it carried into like, and then it turned into just guys that would come out with their own PA, play the song, and just spit over it, and that's all they needed. Yeah. So like it, it's uh, it's yeah. So like I would definitely um, I wouldn't say reggae by any means ended with Bob Marley, but they definitely are. Always on to the next thing, faster than we are when it comes yeah. to that kind of music, you know. Yeah, interesting. I wonder if it's because the you know the country is so young 
really, yeah. and they don't have like a sense. Because I've I've heard people from Europe say that about America, because mm-hmm. you know we have no sense of things that are older than a couple hundred years. No, yeah. and they've got shit that's you know a de- that's like a thousand, thousand years old, or two yeah. thousand years old. And you know you go to Notre Dame, and that's a Notre Dame, Notre Dame. Yeah. Uh, and then you you stand there and you realize it's a building that's been there for a thousand fucking years. Yeah, yeah. I went right? to the Coliseum and, in Rome. Yeah, you know, same experience. Yeah. Mind blowing. And you're like, the oldest things we have here are a couple hundred years old. Right. Yeah. Forced from the frontier ages, and that's about right. it. That's about right. it. You know, it's like, and when you don't have that sense of, I don't know, that anchor of mm-hmm. of like. That history that it's easier to turn over. They say totally. They yeah. say the Western civilization doesn't have a culture, but uh, the cash me outside girl changed all that. <laughs> <laughs> How about that? <laughs> so, Steve, to come back to you, um, you were you were making a point about Stevie. This is kind of a good time to kind of morph into Stevie. You were you were talking about how Stevie used reggae rhythms well, um, a little bit or, or something me, like that. I'm gonna back up just a little bit, like. I first became aware of Stevie Wonder. I've talked about this before. Um, my mom, I lived up north for a while, and then we moved to Detroit, and then we moved up north. So He's pointing at his hand. A lot of the <laughs> driving, I'm pointing at yeah, making the Michigan sign. <laughs> There's a lot of driving involved when I was a kid, man, uh, just moving around and stuff. And my mom always had Motown base stations on, so that's how I'm aware of most of that. But this is hit me like a bolt of lightning we were driving over the Mackinac Bridge and I was probably six mm-hmm. the first time I heard Sir Duke and you just hear not not that like the windows are open it's sunny you're in the middle of the Mackinac Bridge that's a, something you never forget you know yeah like, no kidding that's crazy because that's my like <clears throat> I think my first not only musical memory but like my first sort of conscious memory Mm-hmm. As a person, is I was like three, right? And I was born in 74, so that was 77. So songs in the key of life had come out right. the previous year, and these songs were still on the radio all the time, oh, right? Yeah. And I, like, my mom and I were going somewhere, and this is 1977, so I was sitting in the front seat of the car. <laughs> no seatbelt. <laughs> no seatbelt. Also, 77 folks. Road but, beers all around. Uh, <laughs> but push that out of the way. No, there was no beers. But, good daddy. Um, and we had, you know, like the seat. We had the one of those cars that had like the seat was partially like a woven material, but it was also like a pleather um, um, as well, right? So and it was summer. Damn. And I had those like yeah, shorty man. shorts with the with the, with the white lines on. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I sat down on the seat, and it burnt like my ass oh, yeah, basically man. right and like and yep. so i sat down on the seat and it was like ow and then the next thing i know is sir duke comes on the radio no way and it was like it's i don't know like i don't know if it was the like the burning ass or the it the seared music. the memory it seared the memory it was like Le- when i like legitimately when you right. became became awoken i suppose Dude. You know, as a human being <laughs> it's like yeah it's that weird. i mean trying to wrap your mind around it then yeah it was it was it was the moment for sure mm-hmm. but it was also Everybody, my brother and, and mom included, in the car trying to sing along with it. Get mm-hmm. on I didn't know what they what he said. I, right. I think yeah, I yeah. used to sing, You Can Feel It By Love. You can feel it by love. <laughs> <laughs> Not all over. You can right, pick yeah, that yeah. up. But, um, so, and then from there, sure, you're just off and running. I've mm-hmm. always been aware of it. And, um, and then it's like, oh, well, Stevie's, you know, recorded right here. And mm-hmm. this is where he made all that music. And so... The joke more recently that we've been playing around with about Stevie's Master Blaster is like <laughs> that maybe like sometime, say, circa 78, 
he discovered marijuana. <laughs> so Stevie Wonder discovers the herb, and one of his friends is playing a Bob Marley tune, and Stevie's like, oh, man, what the... What is this? What do you know this music? It's like, oh, well, it's backwards music. Stevie, it's uh, it's called reggae, and this is you know Bob Marley. He's like, oh, we should do this. Like, we should do something. Uh, yeah. Let's make a rugga, a rugga. What is it? A rugga song. Mm-hmm. Make a song. Let me go oh, visit that guy. I'm Jamaican. He probably, he probably found weed a lot earlier than that, but it's so, yeah, I'm sure. But there was that year in 1978. It's a good his, story anyway. But when his closest yeah. friends called him Stony you Wonder, can, you, you <laughs> can tell because like they're playing this that, that reggae song and. Fucking a, like it's like uh, sold their own. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's like it's it's so definitely reggae, but it's clearly with themselves. that song, yeah, that was his foray into you know like playing around with those rhythms and all right. time stuff, yeah. which is what he is all about playing mm-hmm. around all the time. You know, yeah, playing music means one thing to people. Playing music yeah. means another to others. <laughs> like, but uh, yeah, so that's why when you had this awesome idea about Year of Living, Stevie was like. Psh, the first thing that comes to mind, of course, is like we'll do Master Blaster. Yep. Then you listen to it, and it's like the things you you know think you can just grasp. You're like, ah, oh, no, this is tougher than, than we thought. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. Some of that might come through, but then when we were kind of playing around with other Stevie songs, you tend to want to gravitate towards more like, nah, what was you know like some of the '70s stuff. Some of, and I remember bringing uh, the idea of I just called, and you're like, well, let's to be fair, that's not one of his you know more. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one I initially well, thought of. I wasn't even thinking of doing it, Scott. That was Steve's idea. I think I was driving one day and just heard it, broke up my phone, recorded it just by my voice, uh-huh. and sent it to those guys. I'm like, this is just my voice, but what do you think? And then, boom, everyone like locked in with no more questions. Yeah, I was like, that's up. definitely it. And then yeah. it started feeling like, of course, uh, it's going to be more interesting but that original, I mean, he was making a lot of music for money in the 80s. Right, yeah. <laughs> but, but, uh, but, but, man, with this thing, it's it reminds me of other bands that have put their own spin on a song. You know, a Joe Cocker scenario mm-hmm. with uh, Get By With My Friends. It, right, yeah. The, the definitive thing would be great for this to happen. Well, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's interesting, too, because I, I think that a lot of times there are great songs that are just stuck in shitty costumes. Mm-hmm. You know, like, for example, I think of, like, and, like, somebody may throw something at their phone or whatever when I say this, but, like, if you think of, like, uh, Wonderful Christmas Time, right? Which is a horrible song. The Paul McCartney dude. Horrible, like, he bought a synthesizer and he's farting around with it. Dude, and he that, made song, right? right. That, that part kills me in that song. But the melody's not bad. And when, yeah. you, t- when you strip it down and you put it in a different context... I feel yeah. that way about a lot of the 80s, yeah. especially with the new wave shit, where mm-hmm. it's like, without all the like dinks and danks of the fucking keyboard, and right. it's like, just, if you actually listen to the melodies and what's going on, it's, you, like, it's actually good. For the rest of our lives, though, you will never get away from Simply having one of a good... It's always going to I, That's the part of Nelson that sent, dude. Dude, in the course, he's just like, bang, I was like... Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's just it doesn't fit. I don't want to be a dick about this, but that was probably Linda's idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, even, man, I swear, some songs were meant to be created and then inspired by others. Like, uh, there's this artist, he's an old, old artist uh, called Lil Roy, mm-hmm. and uh, he covers Lithium from uh, Nirvana, and that song was meant to be turned into like a like a reggae song 
Like, really? It's, it, it, it's, it's, it is it's it is Little Roy, not Lil Roy. It yeah. was he's like Lil. He's, yeah, he's, he's from the sixties. Yeah, but he, yeah, he, Little Roy, not Lil Roy. He's not of the Wayne. Yeah, but he did. He cut. He cut. It's called Battle in Seattle, and he he was like a front to back album of all Nirvana reggae, like Roots reggae covers. Yeah, that's really sick. That one stuck out to me the most though. Yeah. Oh, it's great. Yeah, good reggae sky, but like. Wow. That one, Lithium, stuck out to me the most, man. Like, you got to hear it, especially the horn section, everything. It's it's perfect. You couldn't change anything Sliver to make too. it better. Sliver's a gem. Sliver's I'm an excellent. I'm going to check that out. Little Roy, what was the name of the album again? Battle in Seattle. Battle or in Battle Seattle. Of Seattle maybe. Battle of Seattle. Okay. Yeah, maybe one of the two. I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah, that check that. really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. Dude, if you're, in, if you're cool. into that shit, dive into Easy Star All-Stars. Oh, God. They yeah. have front-to-back covered uh, Dark Side of the Moon, mm-hmm. um, OK Computer by Radiohead, and Thriller Michael Jackson, and they're all the shit. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, Dub they're all they're the all like straight awesome. like it's reggae, awesome. huh? It's yeah. called Dub Side of the Moon. Was the record yeah. They oh, I've heard of that. Record. I haven't yeah. heard the record, but I've heard of it before. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's yeah, awesome. Really good. So, so Master Blaster. So, yeah, we're kind of getting into the point now where we'll talk about the songs that you guys are doing, and actually, it kind of. Kind of broke a rule a little bit because when it, remember the whole thing we're like start with that. <laughs> oh Steve and I were talking about this where like I pick a song and you pick a song and you guys kind of pick both songs and I'm like yeah it's alright <laughs> like, I like both songs it's all, it's it's all good you know <laughs> dude I really want to do Frontline but then like they came out with like, Call <laughs> yeah. Say I Love You if it's one thing I'm consistent Scott, with I've I've just the rules go right through my fucking ear <laughs> that's yeah. well that's when the Never. interesting shit happens when like when things happen that surely you wasn't intentional exactly <laughs> expect you know like so um, so yeah that was cool so so Master Blaster you're, you're kind of talking about a little bit about why you picked that one um, what was, else about it it was it was not it was kind of an obvious yeah. but it also is something that, believe it or not, they still play that thing on the radio in its entirety. I still mm-hmm. hear it on random stations yeah. every once in a while. I'm like, yeah. man, and people sometimes don't know that they like reggae music yeah. until they're moving to it. May not even realize hook. that they're listening to it. And yep. that's been one for sure that I know people that have no knowledge of reggae love Master Blaster. And you're like, yeah. yeah. So even though that seemed like an obvious one, once we started working with it, I also appreciate where his voice is going with it. What he decided to write about, he surely touched on some aspects of revolution. You know, mm-hmm. some parts of a like those those words. You know, great mm-hmm. vocal melody on that yeah. song too. Yeah, well, you know, he's powerful. Right? <laughs> oh, he's an animal. Right. Yeah, and even though uh, the song uh, "Boogie on Reggae Woman" has the word reggae right, that, in it, it no reggae. I just I had more connection to Master Blaster. Yeah. Than, you know, that's funny know. you mentioned that because that's the first like when I when I heard, saw that song, I saw the title, and I'm like, and then I, I played it, and I was like. That's, that's right. I don't know a lot about reggae. But not very much reggae. reggae. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a great song. Don't get me wrong. But I oh, yeah. As an example of Master Blaster, when he says they want us to join their fighting, that's what he says. Hmm. But our answer is to let all those worries, like a breeze, your fingers slip away. Peace has come. You know, a third world's right on the one. Now's the time for celebration because we've only just begun. He's talking exactly about what we said about music being a revolutionary aspect to rebel against establishment ideology. Yeah, that's what made reggae big, I think. Oh yeah, anti-government at, like edge. That so it is. those words make total sense to me. Yeah, exactly. yeah, and it's it's cool how you know one of the things that I've discovered is I've been kind of going through songs and kind of like you know familiarizing myself more with and most people know the 70s albums mm-hmm. but listening to more stuff from the 80s and the 90s yeah. is that that thread is still there people just don't know right but you take an album like conversation piece for example and like 99 percent of it 
is this stuff where he's talking about the state of the world and you know all this all this heavy stuff and there's like the one in my opinion the weakest song on the record was the uh was the single and it was like i don't even remember the name of the song it was some uh, cheesy it ballad thing and yeah. like and and all the rest of the record is pretty great and it's it's all stuff about you know why are we killing each other why are you know why is all this stuff going on social observation yeah um, yeah so i think you know a lot of times people forget about that side oh of stevie yeah. is an artist yeah. about that political sort of end and the and you know not political such a loaded word anymore but you know but that yeah. sort of like social cultural kind of and, thing and as know. a guy that has been in the light since he's what in a lion you know uh, with the what shot lights right? since he's yeah. nine or whatever really. yeah, yeah like, 12 i think you also man. have different you know perspectives of them it's like you, mm-hmm. well i listen to stevie in like 70s or early 70s yeah. i remember him as a little kid with a harmonica just wailing away right right, yeah. right. mary had a little lamb <laughs> yeah well, that's crazy thing about Stevie Wonder is like he actually inspired Bob Marley if you ever watched the, the documentary Marley mm-hmm. um, one of the things that he took away from Stevie was that he gave all these profits from his concerts to some organization and that just blew Bob Marley away he said alright well let's do let's help out Africa you know our home, t- our home country mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so uh, I forgot what uh, concert he put on over there but uh Bob Marley oh, yeah. fully funded it all with his own money to put on this kind of project. I think Zimbabwe. it was in Zimbabwe, yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's really, really amazing. So, so cool. I So let's take a listen to Master Blaster. Bill, I challenge you to not nail it. Fuck it up a little bit. Why not? That's what I usually do, man. Why can't I play something right for once? <laughs> Nobody ever told you that you You will be jamming until the break of dawn I'll be nobody ever told you that 
So uh, we're back, and our second song that you played uh, was I Just Called to Say I Love You, which we were kind of talking about that a little earlier, that it was, I, I kind of went, really? It's you the know? more unassuming you know, Stevie song. <laughs> and I, you know, maybe maybe it's uh, it's, <laughs> it's high fidelity to blame for for all the shit that that song gets, you know, because it's like, that's the one where, like, Jack Black is like, nobody likes that song! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that makes that song a perfect candidate for a mashup. Yeah, 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 totally. yeah just does. for that reason. Totally. I fucking I picked it because I actually did like it, and everyone else was like, "Oh yeah, good thing we went with the the ska version or whatever," because that's like one of Stevie's like worst songs. And I was like, <laughs> "Well, I picked it because I fucking liked it." <laughs> I guess I'm the only one in the world, but like, no, I, I love what happened with it. But I remember I was like three piece band, Stevie Wonder song, that one could work, and then mm-hmm. thank thank fuck that Steve. I had the idea to throw those skanks on it and shit. Yeah, 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 totally. Like, I remember when you sent me the first demo of it. I'm like, oh my god, this is amazing. This is going to be great. We did a couple phone demos, yeah. You, yeah. Got, the, you got the first one with the ending still not really worked out. I'm yep. like, yeah. send it, we'll go with this. But um, that's it, it's super fun to play, man. Like, I love playing that thing. It's got an awesome feeling. It makes mm-hmm. me happy to hear yep. that thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it made me reevaluate it. So I'm, I'm more in your camp now. Yeah, where it's yeah. like, this is actually a really good song. I don't know why I didn't like it before. It's, what, it's like we just what you're talking about with the new wave shit, man. It's just because it's too much of that fucking yeah. shit going on. Yeah, you know? too much synth. Yeah. Yeah. Just trying to experiment a little bit too much, maybe. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you listen to some versions of that song as it goes on, which we came up to, it doesn't end where the radio version ends. It launches into some robotic um, voice thing. Really? Going, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. Like, what what is the early stages of a vocoder or something? It was. It's huh. like a vocoder that starts so, you know, the big note, um uh, it doesn't go. Da 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 it goes 
<laughs> vocoded like the robot thing. Wow. It keeps going. I'm like, why did they think this was a good idea? <laughs> <laughs> What year was that made? Uh, yeah, 80s? I want to say early 80s, but I actually don't know. Cocaine. I'm going to say mid-80s. It's a great idea. It was 85 or something like that. I'm going to have to look up that version of the song, because I've never heard that. It's probably one of the first couple ones that come up. It's very strange. Another feeling of this is, like, so we've already road tested it once. We tried it out at a show last weekend. And amongst the oddest crowd not identifying with much of that, they seem to like that. Hmm. And that's a good sign. And I, I think we need to really uh, do our best and rally to have Stevie listen to the Year of Living Stevie podcast. I would love that. <laughs> and in fact, you'll have he a... He has to be aware of this. You will have an, an opportunity at the... One of the things that I always do at the end of the interview segment is it, like, give you, like, a 30-second or a window... Like, just a short window. If you wanted to send a message to Stevie, what would that be? Kind of a thing. So we'll, we'll do that in just a second. But... Um, but yeah, so yeah, it's it's really the interpretation of it is really great. I think it's one of the things that I'm really liking about this this show. Yeah, is hearing all these different interpretations. Oh, man. from different yeah. bands and different artists of these songs. Like you know, um, the the first episode, Social Band, it stayed pretty pretty um, pretty st- close to the. Uh, to the originals. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I've had I've some artists where there's one where we're doing the interview during the summer, but they they're a transatlantic duo. So um, the singer lives in like Massachusetts, but the guy who does all the instrumental programming and playing Whoa, lives in like Ireland or Scotland or something <laughs> like that. And they already did their songs and sent them in. Mm-hmm. And they kind of took took a totally different sort of approach. To the songs that they did, and then I'm, I'm having an Americana group and an organ jazz trio, and all this sorts. And it's really cool to hear all these different interpretations of the songs. So, so it was really fun to hear the ska, uh, skyish. Uh, I just called to say I love you. It was pretty, pretty sweet. Yeah, I appreciate that. I love what you did the horns too, man. Yeah. Oh yeah, dude, yeah, great job. Yeah, by the way, yeah, nobody man, knows good that. Deal. Yeah, the, you wrote the horn parts out for. I just mm. called and it was like, we were going through it the first time. And I'm like, almost like choking up listening to it while stopping my vocal. Like, okay. yeah, I was doing the same shit. I was like, this is really good. I'm like, oh shit, I gotta keep playing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was a lot of fun. I, you know, when you, when you sent me that first demo. Like the the ideas start popping. I'm like, all right, well, I just think the horn should kind of because it's scotch. It kind of sound like that, and like I've been kind of humming parts in my head. Yeah, yeah. A, great, a good blend to it. Totally. So mm-hmm. so yeah, that's shout out to yeah, Bill Coons. Shout through. out to Bill. I thought Billy, he'd Billy. hang out and, and talk, but he had to jet. He's got things to he do. He said he had to take a wicked dump. <laughs> yeah, that was his excuse. <laughs> that was his excuse. That's, that's <laughs> unusual. That doesn't happen very frequently. <laughs> maybe maybe we owe him a thank you for that. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> right, right. The Aster Blasters. Yeah. <laughs> Feel like we're sitting in a crater right now, thanks to Bill. <laughs> so great. Well, let's take a listen to I Just Called to Say I Love You. I am Herbert Alfredo Albert. You listen to me. 
I don't, I don't think that's his middle name, but. So here at the end of our interview segment, um, as we, as I mentioned a little earlier, um, we do a little thing where you get a chance either as a band or individually uh, to, to send a message out. Because we're hoping that, you know, Stevie might be interested 
in what we're doing and hear how because really the big reason we're doing this podcast is we love Stevie, right? I mean, oh, you we know, absolutely like, love Stevie. Um, and you know, I was it, one of the things that, that I was kind of thinking about when starting the podcast was how last year how we lost so many amazing artists and we never, you know, like. And you never really have a chance to say, like, David Bowie, holy crap, you changed my life. Or, mm-hmm. you know, Glenn Fry from the Eagles, holy crap, yeah. you know, you changed my life. Um, and I, I thought, what a shame it would be if, if you know, because the time, as much as it breaks my heart to think about it even, it's like there's going to be a time when there's not going to be could be Stevie Wonder, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and how much of a shame would it be to have somebody that, that's impacted our lives so mm-hmm. much and not have a chance to say thank you and we love you and all that sort of stuff. So so that's what kind of inspired this part of the yeah. uh, of the thing. So yeah, cool. so if you had anything you wanted to say, if Stevie were listening, what would you want to say to Stevie? It'd definitely be thank you, like from the bottom yeah. of my heart. I mean, I his his music does speak to would me. Would you man. say that you mean it from the bottom of your heart? <laughs> bottom of my heart. <laughs> we, we just called. <laughs> I, I didn't even mean to do that. I swear to God, I promise you, Stevie. I that wasn't uh, meant, but I, I mean, yeah. from the inspiration over the years and how many people he's affected, and for us to be able to have our spin on one of his songs is like a blessing to be able to do, you know. And thank you for having us on this. Absolutely, you know, man, it's, it's a pleasure. Thank you, Daryl. But uh, yeah. I'd say, uh, again, thank you, and he's definitely, I'd say, a ninth wonder of the world. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just, just the, the obstacles and walls that he's broken down, for, right. not only for him as, you know, an African-American, but as a blind person. It's just mm-hmm. like, come on now. Watching him do a come drum on. solo, back, it was like literally black and white. It's, it's right. on YouTube, you can find it. Crazy. He, like, his drummer gets off, they, they like, guide him over to the drum set, and mm-hmm. he just shreds. I mean, like mm-hmm. jaw-dropping shreds, man. Yep. It's it's so impressive, and his voice is probably one of my favorites to listen to, man. It oh, literally yeah. cut so right pure. into your soul, man. It's so pure, yeah. And it's it's lost nothing. That's nothing. Right. Anyway, like I saw him at that Sting. Con- well, I, I wasn't at the concert, but I saw a video of him at that Sting birthday concert. It was like Sting's 60th birthday, yeah. And he brought him out to sing "Fragile." Ooh. And, you know, he just kills it. I mean, he does this oh, yeah. great harmonica wow. solo. And most of the time he's singing in his lower, you know. And then at the end of the song, he jumps up into that upper register. And oh, it's yeah. like, yeah. oh, my God. You know, like, yeah. and it's, I was just going, holy shit. He's, You're blown he's, away. Yeah. Yeah, he's lost nothing. nothing. Yeah, another thank you, though, is like to how much joy you can see he's having as playing. Like, you, you, yeah, you feed infectious. off, it's very infectious, like. I mean, f- from what he had to go through, and it didn't even phase him once, you know? Yeah. You listen to him, and you're like, no, that guy's as happy as can be. And yep. it, it really shows, you, you lead by example. I mean, this world's depressing as shit every which way you look. And right. you look at him, and he's just cracking a smile, just even talking to people and shit. He's just always in the best mood I've seen. Yeah. I know everyone has their fucking downtimes, but, like, it, as, like, a whole, like... It, in the public, he's done a great job of just bringing joy to people. Right, he has yeah. a certain purity and innocence he does. to his voice. And yes. Mm-hmm. You can't ignore it. Yeah. I would say, Stevie, hit me up, man. Come by. Let's hang out. I make amazing steak fajitas on the grill. <laughs> and um, just to say, like, thank you, dude, for making a song that eternally burned a moment into my heart and mind driving over the Mackinac Bridge with my mom driving the car listening to Sir Duke. Can I say that's pure Michigan right there? Pure Michigan, yeah. Stevie and the bridge, dude. We need we need Tim Allen to be like, that's pure Michigan. Yes. <laughs> Sign sealed blue. Yeah, you get him on one of these. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. Thank you so much, Leaving Lift. Thank you. Well, thank, thank you, Daryl. Awesome. Thank you thank so you. much. And all right, this is the year of living, Stevie.
Stevie. Thanks so much to our guests, Leaving Lifted. Uh, if you have the opportunity to check them out, remember on June 14th, they are opening for the Whalers at St. Andrew's Hall in Detroit. It's a great venue. It should be a super great show. Breathe deep when you're there. That's all I got to say. I think you know what I'm talking about. Um, but, man, that was a really great conversation and some great performances. Speaking of which, in two weeks, on June 19th, please make sure you do not miss this. We have Motown legend Dennis Coffey here on the show. Uh, he's going to be talking, and uh, there's a great performance. You're going to learn some stuff. It's, it was an amazing conversation. It was a real honor and a privilege to speak to Mr. Coffey and uh, hear about Motown during the heyday of Motown um, and some of the stories that went along with that as well. And it's it's really great. You're really, really going to enjoy it. So please make sure you do not miss out on June 19th, Dennis Coffee here on the Year of Living Stevie. Speaking of that, if you would like to keep on top of all the things happening here on the podcast and uh, be able to order stickers and all that sort of fun stuff, you can check us out on Facebook at Year of Living Stevie. That's our, uh, our handle there, www.facebook.com slash Year of Living Stevie. You can also uh, follow us on Twitter at Living Stevie, or you can email livingstevie at gmail.com to keep in touch. You can also always go to the abs or the not absolute abnormal entertainment website, abnormalentertainment.com. Um, and all things uh, Year of Living Stevie will be found there. As well, if you would be so kind, if you're a uh, iTunes subscriber, if you could leave a review, there are no reviews, folks, no reviews. That's not cool. Even if you want to tell tell me I'm annoying, I don't care. Just put it put it down, please. It really helps me um, get the show to the highest level possible. I've gotten some great feedback from people verbally, which is super cool. Um, but it's nice to have it on the website as well, especially if it's somebody that I don't know. If if you're somebody that um, is listening that isn't somebody that I run into on a regular basis and you had some thoughts that you wanted to share, even if it's, gosh, shut up, you're annoying, um, you can put that down on the iTunes review site, please. But if you're enjoying the show, please, a nice review would be very, very helpful and it'll help us get to that goal of the new and noteworthy section uh, that I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. So uh, thanks to Abnormal Entertainment for being our host. Thanks to Leaving Lifted. We'll see you in two weeks. Stevie is the truth. See you later, everybody. Mr. Stevie Wonder. Mr. Stevie Wonder. Head to abnormalentertainment.com for all of our podcasts and blogs. Go to cinemaheadcheese.com for our movie reviews and news. Don't forget our YouTube channels, Abnormal Podcast and Cinema Head Cheese. Get us on Twitter, at Abnormal Podcast. And find all of our shows and Abnormal Entertainment on Facebook. You've been listening to the Abnormal Entertainment Network.